right, welcome to the Crossplay Podcast, episode four, a full month. Uh, we're actually not going to talk about anything this week. We're just going to drink the bubbly, celebrating our anniversary of one month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm Chandler Wood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can do anything. I'm already we want. drinking. It's five p.m. here, and <laughs> <laughs> never not drunk while doing this podcast. It's it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Chandler Wood. Cameron Teague. Jason Faulkner. I'm Paul Tambora. All right. Uh, so not really a, a massive week this week in terms of big, hard-hitting news. I guess the biggest thing that, that uh, kind of hit the scene was Shadow of the Tomb Raider was revealed after it was revealed, after it was leaked, after... I mean, like, we've known about Shadow of the Tomb Raider for how long now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that they actually released the trailer and it didn't come out like on like a camcorder recording from a cinema or something at this point so, absolutely everything about that game we know so so my question is uh with shadow of the tomb raider did we actually get a gameplay reveal or did we just get the cinematic trailer it was just the trailer wasn't it a cinematic trailer you, you, yeah, i think the trailer so far i'm just face palming right now because first it's leaked ages ago and then we get this little teaser that's like full official reveal coming in a month or whenever that that teaser was and then the full official reveal is a cinematic trailer and they don't show us any gameplay granted some people did actually get to play the game so there's that there are previews kind of coming out i know we'll have one uh oh have you guys got to play the game yeah yeah i think we had our uh, involved got lost in the mail or something <laughs> they only invited the big name sites <laughs> But uh, so so like gameplay impressions are out there, but they yeah. haven't actually shown gameplay to the general public yet. Which I think, as long as they've been dragging this out, that's a pretty poor decision. Yeah, I think uh, I think if I can guesstimate, it's got a female lead. Um, she's gonna <laughs> jump a lot, and she might you know make some stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. just imagine uncharted but with a female lead you know you're a regular michael pactor just predicting <laughs> all sorts of <laughs> i think it's 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 i don't know it's a weird like <clears throat> misstep i think to run ahead with a cinematic trailer i know there's a lot of different reasons why this could happen a lot of people are always like oh maybe the game's unfinished like it's not in a good state to show but a lot of the time, obviously, the marketing's done before the, there is anything to show in terms of a trailer. So that's why that comes comes out ahead. But I don't know. It's It doesn't really make you excited for the game, does it? It does set the tone. I think the tone's relatively interesting of how now she's essentially a Batman Lara Croft knocking around, <laughs> on, <laughs> knocking around in trees and murdering folks. But uh, yeah, I'd much rather have gameplay. And and usually, so uh, this is something we'll talk about a little bit later. But like with the Destiny Two Warmind reveal, they showed off a cinematic trailer, the the prologue introduction to the new expansion, and then immediately showed gameplay and previewed gameplay of it. So you can have both. Like it's not that cinematic trailers are bad. You're right. It sets the tone. It's really you know kind of gets you hyped up for it. It's a cool, quick look at it. But if you do that without showing people what they're actually getting into in terms of the gameplay, you're not getting people really excited for the game. You're getting them excited for the, the story and the tone. 
Yeah, and I think as building it up as long as I have done, that I'm not really entirely sure why they didn't just show at least a little bit of footage. I can understand if it's one of those, if it's like a teaser or something where you just get like, you know, the splash of the logo and then, you know, the cinematics. But for something that, I mean, how long have they been teasing this for now? And then you just get no, no actual in-game footage. It's weird. It's a weird decision. Yeah. But with Destiny, though, that you know, the Warmind is just something they cut off of the base game to sell later. So that's they've kind of got the, that advantage. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if you're being sarcastic or <laughs> serious. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Where, where, where am I going with that? <laughs> I, is, we'll is just, this feels like that poem you know it was in a wood a road diverged yada yada i don't know can you tell how well versed i am in classical poetry <laughs> was it a forest but, uh, there's a road it diverged yeah <laughs> is anybody actually into the the new tomb raider games because i'm really really not i tried i played quite a bit of the first tomb raider and didn't put it was like a darker uncharted <laughs> uh Rise of the Tomb Raider. I don't think I played that much of. I, I think Cameron's it. yawn says it all right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's... I, it's one of those I, I mean to get to. Just, I don't want to, to bash it too much. I really actually liked the first one quite a bit. And the second one I thought was garbage. So The second one... Yeah, they the trying to do the more open world sort of stuff with it, I think to make it more different from uncharted and and so that it wouldn't be compared to uncharted quite as much did make it a little bit worse than the first one i thought the first one was uh a lot more interesting the story was a lot more interesting and and they're just like this is the trilogy of how she becomes the tomb raider like isn't she the tomb raider already she's been killing people and raiding tombs since tombs. the first game yeah she's been yeah. a few tombs <laughs> she's been in more tombs than the average person which I think how many tombs do you raid before people turn around a lot that is a tomb raider how many do we, where's the tipping point of the tombs yeah she's probably known for tomb raiding at this point <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, then nobody's sitting around like oh we need to get Lara Croft you know that woman who uh, <laughs> what does she do again ah <laughs> uh, tomb raider yes no I, I, just the darker tone I guess it's I guess it's fine that they keep going for it, but I feel like the the whole becoming Tomb Raider thing at this point is just synonymous with her just becoming like a a, a, a psychopath. No, uh, <laughs> it's just it's. Not, I like. I remember like that. I know it's a reboot, but I did the whole old. You know, she's becoming the Tomb Raider now. She's already raiding tombs. This is just the absolute tipping point now, where she's just she. She does not give a shit anymore. She's just killing guys left, right, and center. She's Blood like, on the face, and ugh. yeah, well, she's like running through the forest like Predator, and then she just comes out. It's just like this incredibly British person. <laughs> it's, just, it's just weird. A lot like, knocking around on a cliff, and like just like oh, uh, what 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 does she say in the trailer? Something like oh, the darkness took me, or something. Oh, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I imagine all British people though like isn't, yeah. isn't that how you guys are <laughs> well before I jumped in this podcast I was climbing down a cliff after just slitting a guy's throat so I mean it's pretty true to life <laughs> just got a towel and kind of wiped off your face a little bit <laughs> yeah. alright time for the yeah. podcast Let's looked at this. my watch and I was like oh shit 20 to 5 gotta hide this butter <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 
Yeah, I don't know if there's any any information that's been revealed much about Tomb Raider that's that's too new or interesting that we really want to talk about. But so that's uh, into fifteen hour campaign. That's the other piece of news that I know. So like every yeah game every that's game ever yeah that's now. fine yeah. All right. Um, so I have no good segue into this one. I'm just going to go right into it. <laughs> um, nice. So uh, Quantic Dream is actually clapping back a little bit on uh, at the French media over negative press. So a, a little while ago, it was brought out the the whole potential allegations of of um, I forget exactly. Uh, not abuse. It was but, mistreatment. In yeah, the mistreatment of their place, employees. Wasn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so Quantic Dream is, I think, one of the first video game developers, or at least one of the first prominent ones, that's actually kind of going, no, okay, you you are trying to tear down our image as a studio with this press that you're giving us, with these unfounded accusations, and we're going to be suing you now. Yeah. It's a weird story, because obviously you don't know the ins and outs of it. They must be pretty confident if they're suing these outlets. I don't really know who these outlets are, as they are French, and I'm not a Frenchman. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's weird. If, it's, if obviously, the media is correct, then it sets a weird precedent, but I don't know. I don't really know the ins and outs of, um, of the story. What, what was their counter? What did they say? Did they just say that it was completely incorrect? Um, I, I don't think that they've released any kind of, yeah, their, their statement was basically like, we've looked into these and we care about our employees. It was, it was kind of a generic PR, uh, yeah. statement of, of, and you know, I can't fault them for that. That's what they have lawyers and PR for is to do damage control on that. And when it's all just, he said, she said, and we're basically taking it at the word of this French media uh, yeah. that, that that's what's going on there were some photographs from the I mean I'm not sure how much they would have contributed but there were some photographs from like the to show that they had gone undercover in this company so at least there was that I think like, there was <clears throat> wasn't there a bit like that they had like um, that they've been doing like Nazi jokes in the Quantic Dream office and they had like paraphernalia around the office or something something along those lines something incredibly strange and there was like photos in the in the magazines about it but I don't really know the ins and outs skirting a thin legal there were, line there were a lot of a lot of dildos uh, that was it <laughs> yeah and photoshopping yeah. employee faces on uh, I don't know unseemly photos I guess so I, I yeah. think that was like one person yeah, I think they were like photoshopping David Cage's face. On... Well, no, I, I think it was it wasn't was it just one a random employee person that was doing that and that had like uh, a, a, a drive full of them or something. I don't know. It was. I I personally think that if you're going to deal with things like that, that it can't be the the culture of the studio. It's got to be no. that, that's individual people, you know. And if you have, there are certainly toxic people, and I don't doubt that there are people who are mistreating other people within any given studio and or company anywhere you know it it happens because people are people and that's just 
<laughs> unfortunately that's that's the world we live in but you can't yeah. I, I think attacking the company for it and saying quantic dream mistreats their employees is a bad way to approach it and you should go okay well this one person right here has these specific incidents of mistreatment and this needs to be dealt with and get it dealt with and over with and just let them make their freaking games yeah it's dependent upon how the horror ups in the company actually deal with that kind of complaint as well though isn't it because i think um a portion of the uh features about about the company we're discussing that you know it kind of went all the way up the chain so stuff would get reported and then not dealt with but again it's he said he said she said so you're not going to find out until the lawsuit comes about i guess yeah which, which i mean quantity dream we're going to have sony behind them i should imagine so and like you said if if they're suing the french media they've got to be pretty confident that they're in the right here yeah it would be awkward otherwise plus it i understand obviously them wanted to set the record straight but it would generate obviously generates a lot of coverage just them making legal action against it so it's brought it back up again because i'd forgotten about this uh until that was that was suing them so clearly they're uh, i think they've got a case here it and it's just bad timing too with detroit coming out next month oh, yeah less than a month away like I guess maybe they wanted to get it out of the way before Detroit actually released and not have yeah. the press about this like right during release week. But I still think it had died down enough. I think this is actually very, very odd timing, and I would have held off on it, even though you know obviously this shows that they're pretty confident that they've done nothing wrong if, if you're going to go through this route and spend the money to sue. Mm. But then on the flip side of the coin, uh, them filing legal action against it, uh, these outlets aren't going to continue reporting on it because they won't legally be a- be allowed to until after the uh, until after the case is settled. So it could just be silencing them up until the launch of the game because I'm assuming these kind of complaints would escalate prior to Detroit being released. It's it's also any press is good press. Hmm. It's at you know I think. I can't. I can't imagine that it would harm or positively impact them in any way. It's it's these kind of things that it's only people like us who've kind of got our ear to the industry will really know about. The wider audience isn't going to know anything about this. No, and and to be honest, and it, and it may be mean on my part. I mean, even if the allegations were true, I still want to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna not buy the game because bad stuff happened. I'm. I'm still gonna buy it. Yeah, yeah and I that's, think that's what a lot of people think. That's a fascinating look at at a, a lot of things. Goes into the subject of like Kingdom Come Deliverance, for example. Um, you know, there were yeah. allegations made about who that person. You know, the the studio leads there are, and if they're racist or whatever. Um, and so kind of <laughs> but does that make the game bad does the person behind the game or you know one individual or one specific problem ultimately then make the game bad and not worth playing yeah one it also it also comes down to the point of by not buying the game to try to punish the studio you're actually only punishing the people that worked really hard to make the game, which could cause them to possibly lose their job if the game does poorly. So is that really how you want to attack it? Yeah. 
realistically you aren't going to get even if somebody like you said with the Kingdom Come stuff with uh, that Daniel Vava is it is that his name uh, even if um, you have a portion of the people boycotting it I don't think it's going to make up make up that that many people really I mean look at like The Last Jedi with how many people said they were going to boycott that and that still did pretty alright for itself I don't yeah. think <laughs> I don't think boycott. I don't think boycotts work. I understand why people do it. For me personally, like somebody really, really has to rock the boat because, as you said, if it's like an indie developer who it's just like one guy has been a bit of a dick, then I'm like, well, yeah, that I'm not going to support that person. But as you said, there'll be an entire studio behind it, and then where do you draw the line in terms of when you're not going to support it? Um, yeah. I just always think about Woody Allen when I hear this kind of thing, and it's like you never hear anybody be like, "Oh man, I just I don't I don't watch Woody Allen movies because yeah. of what he did." But yeah. then it's like it, it seems like this is a recent kind of a uh, development as far as like the the public conscience goes, because uh, you know if you, if you really look at it, pretty much everybody who creates something pretty good, you know, you can find someone involved with it who is uh you know a more morally unsound we'll put it that way yeah <laughs> so uh yeah. but it's like a game like kingdom come you've got 200 people working on it and you're going to try and condemn it because of one guy so it's mm-hmm. like i i, I kind of see that as like a selfish thing because basically you want to take food out of another 199 people's mouths because you don't agree with what the one guy was saying mm-hmm. um so it's kind of like, you know, what's the greater evil? Yeah. I think uh, there's also, but I think there's like a difference as well, which like you said about Woody Allen, like with Woody Allen films, I'm not like a massive fan, but I, I really, really like a couple of his films. But now, uh, in the benefit of, with the benefit of hindsight and the stuff that we found out about him since, it makes it more difficult to view because obviously a lot of his personal inclinations are kind of hidden away in those films. Yeah. Uh, Whereas with something like Kingdom Come, it's obviously developed by this huge team where, like, kind of these individual opinions of somebody like Daniel Varva aren't really prevalent in there, as far as I'm aware. So it's not really something you can watch that and you can play that game and kind of not really be confronted with these opinions that he has if you don't agree with them. Um, so I think that's different in terms of video games as well. I guess like major blockbusters, it's similar. But even then, like a video game, will have like a whole team of writers um, and different parts of it that it's more like made by committee than than a film or I don't know a musician or something. Um, it's just a different way of developing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always been something I've struggled with in in the last you know fifteen years of my life as as I see stuff come out about people or things that I like. Like I used to listen to Lost Prophets, the band. Oh yeah. Turns okay. out their lead singer is a child molester and Yeah. I don't listen to Lost Prophets anymore. Well again that's the thing about the individual creator because obviously it's that's more contained, isn't it? Because he was a really significant portion of that process, wasn't it, really? So it's Yeah, and as being like the lead singer, you're yeah. hearing his voice in every track yeah. and you're going that's all you can think about is like oh he's a good singer and also yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's on the uh, extreme side isn't it because he was oh, like yeah. pure evil so oh yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's not just a a difference of opinion 
you know, yeah. like it is with some some game creators. But I've always thought that was that was an interesting thing. Um, but speaking of difference of opinion, uh, apparently people aren't exactly agreeing with Nintendo Labo 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 <laughs> uh, in Japan. Uh, it only yeah. sold thirty percent of its initial shipment in mm-hmm. Japan when it released. And uh, it came out today that it didn't do so hot in the UK as well. Um, it's like uh, third. I mean, the UK is not exactly a, a major market, but we usually have the uh, sales data right first, as opposed to everybody else. But yeah, it came like third in the UK or something. Um, not surprised. Really, really expensive. Difficult to pitch cardboard to people. I mean, the thing with it is, is once you have it together, I I have no idea what you're supposed to do with it. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it doesn't fit back into the box, so you can either disassemble it, which it's cardboard, so you're probably yeah. going to break it like the third or fourth time you do that, or uh, you just leave it lying around. And it's cardboard. It's not an attractive product. You know, it's attractive no. for cardboard, but it's still cardboard. It's. I think. Is it sixty dollars over there? Uh, something like that. Depends okay, so, on which kit you get. Right. So the base kit here is sixty pounds, which works out to about eighty dollars, ninety dollars. And I think, like, I've read up on it, and I know, like, all the, with the variety kit, obviously it comes with software, and you can fiddle around with it and uh, make different things with it. But I think for the average person, you're going to look at it, and it just seems like cardboard. how do you sell it i don't understand it's it's difficult i think and i gotta say this and i've got to run for some house stuff but i i think e3 could really help it if if they could push you know some big product behind it possibly at e3 but i'm not really surprised again it's it's cardboard Mm -hmm. and as unique as it seems it's expensive and it's cardboard (laughs) <laughs> and if trying to pitch a kid i mean kids aren't the most you know they want to play and they want to get enjoyment right away and now you're going to have them play with cardboard i mean yeah i don't know granted it, it, i think it could still do really well and it will eventually they just need a bigger push behind it but mm. with that i've got to go so y'all have fun All the right. rest of this <laughs> take care man Bye, cameron we are waving off Cameron uh, for the rest of the show, but sets uh, up into this. Uh... <laughs> um, yeah, with with uh, I agree. I just don't see it's a it's a peripheral, and peripherals historically just haven't done all that well for consoles. Nah. Yeah, and so done. they tried to make this decision of uh, oh, it's a peripheral that you get to build, but yeah, Jason, like you were saying, once you build it then what because even other peripherals that you don't have to build yourself that are nice looking people don't generally want just littering their house and and around and people who have small spaces and don't have a lot of storage like where are you supposed to put it hmm I think that's all, it's a, that's an adult way of look, looking at it, isn't it? Uh, where are you going to store it afterwards? I'm not entirely sure whether people who aren't buying it are buying it because of the store, the lack of storage. Uh, 
I mean, the, the storage is is that bad that I think Nintendo or somebody have had to start creating uh, yeah. storage YouTube videos just to point out how they can be stored. I was looking <laughs> on Twitter and it said that. But um, I think people aren't buying it literally because of its price point. Um, I, it just... It's 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 it really is the tipping point for it when you find out uh, you know it's it's sixty pounds um, even if your child does want it I think thirty to forty pound even then would be like it's difficult to sell cardboard to people for that amount of money I think sixty pound is just an absolute tipping point for a lot of people I can't I can't see it doing well unless as Cameron said there's some kind of major push behind it in the future or uh, it just um, I don't know, just less money, I guess. Well, they when sh- you're when you're putting something like like Labo against up against uh, another full priced title, you know, yeah. like even even going to kids and saying, "Hey, kids, what do you want? Do you want the new Super Smash Brothers or do you want Nintendo Labo?" Which is actually, I think, more than a full price title, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, when that choice is presented to somebody, I think the majority of, of gamers, the majority of people are going to choose a full price, you know, a game, a Zelda or a Mario or or yeah. a Smash Brothers or something before they're going to choose to play cardboard mini games. Yeah. And yeah. I haven't really sold the idea of the um software really. I mean I think, I'm not entirely sure, but I think there is like a whole bunch of software for it. And I think the way that you transform the cardboard impacts upon the software so you can kind of create your own games, I think. Um, which I think is that should be the main selling point. But instead, like these flimsy pieces of cardboard are the, are the big thing, which I, I, yeah, I, I think the games, like you said, people are going to want a game over, over cardboard, even even kids. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it's eighty dollars and seventy dollars for the kids. I actually just looked up. I I have both of them. Uh, oh dear. I have not even touched them. I I I lifted the uh, little sticker and looked inside and was just kind of disappointed and turned off. Um, I just if they would they should have went for like a Lego or a Connects or you know some sort of plastic material. Uh, that yeah. maybe you could reconfigure. I just, uh, I don't want to say it's a dumb idea because it's not, but the execution is just a huge yeah. turnoff. I like that they're doing it though. That's, yeah. that's my bad takeaway. I like that, I like that they're doing this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. And if, only if there's anybody would. that, oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, only Nintendo would do this too. So it's good mm-hmm. to see Nintendo being Nintendo. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. I, I was going to say if anybody can pull this off, and and can pull off just that weird and attempting to do something that's that's outside the box and outside the labo, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> outside the cardboard peripheral, yeah. it's them. I mean, they're they're the ones who can really afford to make. I mean, they had the Wii U. Which, let's face it, was a massive misstep on their part, and they just kind of yeah. brushed it off and went, "Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll do something better next time." Yeah, it's they're just they're just such an impressive company from like how inventive they are. It's you know what you're getting with Sony, you know what you're going to get with Microsoft. And granted, I might like use those consoles a lot more, but I'm always more interested to see what uh, Nintendo is going to do. 
so speaking of other companies, uh, PS4 actually outsold Nintendo the the Switch uh, in the last fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still posting impressive numbers all around. I think. Mm-hmm. The Switch sold. Um... Switch sold 17.79 million units in that same time frame. Oh, that would have been its first year on sale, wouldn't it? It launched in March. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, first so. year, it's approaching 20 million. That's that's impressive. Yeah. yeah, that is. And software sales as well, with like coming up to what, 68.97, so 69 million uh, software sales. Which, that, that number, I think, is more impressive for a Nintendo console. Because you had stuff yeah. like the Wii where I could imagine a large percentage of its software sales um, were just limited to, like, well, bundle title, Wii Sports, and then, you know, the odd title every now and again. The Switch has given so much in its first year that to reach these kind of software sales for Nintendo consoles is really impressive. And then uh, PS4 is sitting at 79 million units worldwide as of March right now, which is, I mean... Wow, <laughs> yeah, it it yeah. could unseat PS2 as the highest selling console ever. Yeah, I think it should at this point. Really, it's it just doesn't seem to have any signs of slowing down either. Like I I, I really don't know when Sony are going to think, oh, let's uproot this and go into the next console generation because well, you got like God of War, Last of Us Two. Red Dead 2 it's it, it, there's just going to be who still needs to buy PS4s <laughs> at this point <laughs> 19 million were sold last year who hasn't got one now it's it's insane yeah. well let's I see think... how many how many billions of people are there in the world and then <laughs> yeah let's divide yeah. it we have to take into account too that uh, the Switch had uh, supply issues for the first year too so yeah that's true you know that that could have definitely impacted that number because i know tons of people wanted to buy one and then you know they were nowhere to be found for months on end but it's for like the yeah it's for like the first three months that uh nobody could get one i had a couple of friends who were just waiting around for it um yeah and it seemed like that was like a global issue as well so it wasn't even limited to the u.s or anything so that probably impacted it but um still for both of them really I, I, I thought that's an unbelievable amount of amount of numbers. Do we do we know how much uh, Xbox One shipped last year? They've never they've never they haven't said have they? They don't say the uh, I think the the way that they do it uh, the way that people kind of try to understand what the uh, Xbox's numbers are they just look at live uh, subscribers <laughs> and stuff. I think that's genuinely how they do it, but I don't think there's actually a. Uh, the, the number or anything from Microsoft. I know that that for a while anyway, PS4 to Xbox One was it was two to one. So basically, yeah, you could yeah. see Xbox One at about half the units sold uh, yeah. as PS4. So judging by that estimation, you're probably looking at around 40 million. I'd say it's probably a little more than that now. Probably close yeah, to 50 though- million. Yeah, they've, I think especially with the Xbox, I think the Xbox One X did surprisingly well. I think it, uh, I think it bolstered the numbers up quite a bit. Did read something, haven't got the quote, but I did read something from uh, one of the Xbox team. I think it was last week, and they said that 
the Xbox has the highest engagement rate of all of the consoles, which I literally have no idea what that means. <laughs> buzzwords. It's all buzzwords. <laughs> engagement rate. So does that mean like people looking at the console and then being like, I feel fully engaged with this hardware right now. <laughs> I have never been more engaged. It's like, yeah, more people buy the PS4, but guess what? More people use their Xbox yeah. One. Like... Really? If is that what that means? Uh, maybe. I'm I'm assuming it's some kind of usage rate, like hours per day of usage, or average number of hours used mm. per Xbox One sold, or whatever. That but could be it. I'm also wondering what, how that metric is. Yeah, <laughs> how do you how do you measure that metric, especially with people who are offline, people who yeah. are. Um, and and is that are you counting people that are just hopping on and using it for Netflix? Like, yeah, we have the and highest how engagement they, how rate. Do they, how do they know what Sony's engagement rate is? Too are they like going to Japan and like <laughs> peering through somebody's curtains? Just how do they know? I don't, uh, the buzzwords drive me mad. You're gonna hear that. There is no way that. And the Xbox One has the highest engagement rate of all the consoles. There is no way that that sentence isn't going to be said at this year's E3. They are going to oh, begin yeah. a presentation with that. That's a th- <laughs> it's a it's a thing now. It's our, a trademark. A our thing. players are engaged. Yeah. <laughs> Never find more. We've got the most engaged players. Weird. I yeah. It, it's it's a weird buzzword and a weird metric and statistic to actually measure and try and pull out but they gotta have something know. yeah if, all power to them yeah if if it if that works for them i mean if more people are watching netflix on there uh, but then actually netflix came out and said that ps4s are the highest uh the the most used thing for watching netflix like last year sometime i think but are they engaged that's <laughs> yeah. the, are they are, really are their eyes watching? on the screen Netflix. Yeah. That's the question. <laughs> yeah, is it like me? I put like Santa Clarita diet on and like fall asleep. Do they actually give a shit about what they're watching? Because Xbox One owners give a shit. That's what the Connect's for. Connect is watching. Yeah, watching <laughs> yeah. your engagement. Yeah. yeah, the Connect is very engaged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So Blizzard is currently engaged <laughs> on yeah, a uh, a new PvP shooter. Oh man, oh man, this this story. Oh, they uh, Blizzard. So Blizzard, I think it was sometime last year. They advertised for a job uh, that was basically to develop um, stuff for a first-person shooter. So loads of people thought, well, this is going to be maybe a story element for Overwatch or something. But now they've done. Uh, they posted a job listing that said it's actually for a PvP shooter. Uh, and it seems to be a new PvP shooter, so there's gonna be a new, and it was an FPS as well. So hopefully, gonna be a new Blizzard FPS, which I am. All the chips are down. I am all in. I, <laughs> I am all in on this this shooter. I know nothing about. Now, do do you think that that strikes me as really odd because it it reeks of kind of a, a Fortnite versus uh, oh what was the other game? I can't remember. Now the the Pub, epic title. PUBG. Oh, uh, Radical Heights. <laughs> no, no, the other epic title that, Par- that they had Paragon. To shut down. Paragon. That's that's right. Um, it, God, I forgot it, about Paragon. Ex- exactly. So did I, apparently. 
<laughs> it said Paragon. I was like, what? What was that? But it, it kind of reeks of, of that whole issue where, you know, Epic puts out both of these games and then they go, oh, this one's getting more support. Kill the other one. And they killed Paragon over Fortnite being the more popular. They wanted to pour development resources into that. So how does Blizzard, maker of Overwatch, I don't know if you guys know, it's this mm-hmm. this little little game. Uh, I might have heard. That, yeah, you might have heard of it. It's got like a orange tracksuit girl that, I don't know, it's, it's a thing. Uh, orange tracksuit girls are actual name as well. I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> but how does Blizzard go from that to go okay, we're working on a whole new PvP shooter and we're not going to steal ideas. Like, they're the same company and yet they have to divide their ideas in such a way that goes, okay, these ones go to Overwatch. Okay, these ones go to new PvP shooter. Or do you think this is their their ultimate replacement for Overwatch? Are they? Going I don't think to it's going to replace no. Overwatch. No. no. I, think, I think it's just going to completely... Um, be a completely different experience to Overwatch. Overwatch is a very like it's it, it, it it's not your standard FPS, is it? Really, it's squad based, which uh, you know, um, single hero kind of like a MOBA. There's there's not a lot out there really, aside from maybe Team Fortress Two. But where's that now? That uh, that that is similar to Overwatch. I think Blizzard could just make something which which was like a rumor that they are going down the lines of making something that could potentially compete with um, Battlefield or Call of Duty, something along those lines. Um, the irony being that Call of Duty is also an Activision-owned franchise. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that actually. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, well, just more money for them, won't it? Uh, or is it? Is it uh, uh, Battle Royale? Yes. Mm. You think it's about... Um, hmm, yeah. I don't know. Because it's, uh, that's the one style of game that uh, I don't think Activision Blizzard... I don't think any of their lineup includes that mode. So mm. it, it would be the one game, I think, that wouldn't cannibalize sales for other games. Yeah. I'm not so sure. I can't, I can't imagine Blizzard doing that it seems I know we said it in previous podcasts but it's kind of like it's obviously a, a, a sensible move financially but it does come across as a bit of a desperate move I just I don't know whether Blizzard would particularly do that but you know maybe I'm wrong it's, it's going to be not. a new game called Radical Lawbreakers and uh... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I could just see them, uh, you know Overwatch and Fortnite art is pretty pretty close so I could see them having Blizzard do it for the all ages appeal instead of going mm-hmm. with Call of Duty Battle Royale where you can only you know morally market to people over 18 yeah that's true yeah I guess it would be something that could rival Fortnite with it's a bit more uh, kid friendly appeal I guess I don't know maybe Overwatch Battle Royale I'd be into that. Yeah, just, I would too. Just keep putting Overwatch characters into everything. That's that's my thing. <laughs> just get just give me Winston and a Stormcloud, and I'll be done. <laughs> uh, and, and Blizzard, you're right. They're they're really good at making those kind of uh, very broad appeal sort of games where it can be a shooter, but it can be for everybody. And it doesn't. It's it's kid friendly, but at the same time, it doesn't seem too childish. No. Um, they've done that really well with a lot of their franchises. You look at, at uh, stuff like Hearthstone, 
um, Overwatch and all those, they're, they really do a good job with that. So yeah, uh, Paul, like you said, just um, whatever it is, I'm pretty excited because Blizzard can do no wrong in my eyes. <laughs> no, yeah. The thing that, as I've just thought, the thing that also puts me off the idea that it might be Battle Royale is because Blizzard seemed to have like really heavily pivoted towards esports uh, recently, and Battle Royale seems like something that's inherently difficult to make a competitive esport. Like I know that PUBG just now is uh, having its own first esports tournament, but realistically, if you want to make something competitive, then having like a one versus hundred shooter is not uh is not the ideal not the ideal PvP game for an esport. So that's the thing that does put me off um, the idea that Blizzard could be making a battle royale, ga- royale game just because I could imagine them moving more towards esports after the Overwatch League. But yeah, maybe they are. Maybe they're going to make a really popular battle royale esport, and I'm going to have egg on my face. Who knows? <laughs> um. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's an interesting thought. I, it's always interesting whenever a big studio like that starts working on something new because uh, it, it's generally always something different. Like Blizzard doesn't come out with a new IP all that often, and when they do, no. it's big, it's exciting, it's it's a whole huge thing. Yeah, well, it's something you know that you're probably gonna be. Um playing for quite a few years I think that's what makes Blizzard games so exciting it's not something that you're going to get four months of enjoyment out of and then move on to something else, it's something that you that you know that they're going to want to keep going for the foreseeable future so it's like when you when you buy it, like when I first bought Overwatch it was like right then I'm on the ground floor of this, how many years of my life are going to be put into Overwatch here and it turns out a lot, a lot of years have been put into Overwatch, when did it come out 2016, I've been playing it for like three years religiously, yeah yeah, it's it's been a good chunk of time. They're about to do their their second anniversary event. Yep. Um, probably in about a month or so. But uh, I, I mean that that kind of speaks to Destiny Two right now as well. That was supposed to be that same kind of hobby game, mm-hmm. especially after the first game was was great, and a lot of people fell off the Destiny Two train. However, I just have to hype this up i don't know if anybody else here really is but uh warmind i am ridiculously excited for um what is it so it's their their new expansion going to mars uh the story is i am not confident that the story is going to be all that great because curse of osiris's story was pretty lame at the end of the day and i think this has been in development for too long to kind of go with the community changes that that bungie's trying to do uh but a lot of the other the gameplay changes the bring back the hobby aspects of destiny 2 uh are are coming back um exotic masterworks are gonna have a new reason to kind of chase something and grind out quests there's there's a whole new end game activity uh, that's coming with Warmind. That's a big like wave-based mode. Um, yeah, it should do a lot of really cool, interesting things for the game. Leading up to hopefully some big reveals for September, whatever expansion comes then, and some big changes they're making, including like weapon. Uh, I know they're changing the the weapon slot system, which a lot of people weren't a fan of. 
Um, yeah, a lot of big changes coming yeah. around September, basically turning it back into Destiny 1 more or less. But that's that's what people want. They wanted <laughs> Destiny 1 again, and I don't know the why they changed. something different. Everybody was like, stop it. Stop doing it. I, it, what's the current state? What's Destiny 2 like now? Because I enjoyed um, when I first played through it. I enjoyed my first playthrough of the game. And then uh, I think just completely fell off it. But I was never really expecting something to keep my attention for ages because the first Destiny didn't. didn't. I, I massively preferred the story to the to the first Destiny and the, the actual campaign through it. But, um, but fell off really, really quick. Is it actually okay now? Do people like it now? Or does everybody still hate the game? Uh, I think hating it's the fad. So right, okay. I, I think objectively it is getting better. Uh, yeah. There are aspects of it that are that are still bad, but that they've promised to change. You know that are that are coming in a little bit here. Um, and you know there's there's that whole debate of well, I bought a game to be complete. I don't want to wait have to wait a year to to have it actually be what I want and working. And my mind is look at any massive online game that's constantly changing you know world of warcraft now is different from what it was a year ago is different from what it was five years ago Mm. so i i always expected that you know destiny 2 destiny even the first one like it's just the whole franchise is ever evolving and ever changing and you know i make the decision to put it down and my decision to put it down isn't I'm putting it down because I hate Destiny and I'm I'm tired of it. It's I'm putting it down because I don't like some of the stuff that's going on now with it, but I'm confident that those things will change over time. Right, okay. So you so you don't play it regularly anymore then? Uh not anymore, although a lot of the announced changes and things that they've brought within like the most recent patch and that are coming up in in Warmind mm. uh have gotten me interested in in ways that I haven't been interested in Destiny for like you know six months or <laughs> since before curse yeah. of osiris really yeah man i uh the thing with destiny to me is um it's like a really great single player game that they want to force you to play multiplayer in but they also don't want to have any social tools in the game to make friends <laughs> or anything so it's like this weird like you play the whole game like i i i uh I reviewed the DLC for Game Revolution and uh, wrote some extremely tedious guides for another publication. (laughs) So I played a lot of Destiny. And you get to the end, you know, and all the way up to the end is a great single-player experience. Like, I had a great time. Uh, You know, you see other players, you know, at the tower and whatnot. But uh, it really feels like, oh, I'm I'm the hero here. Uh, And then you get to the end... And it's like, oh yeah, for all the uh, end game stuff, hope you made some friends along the way because uh, you have to have six people to raid. Also, if you go on a raid by yourself, we're going to have segments where uh, you have to have all six people, so you can't even solo it yourself. Um, and then there's no in game chat. Uh, they're just now adding an emote wheel. You know, for the longest time, you could, you know, since Destiny One began, you've only been able to use one emote. Uh, but this is supposed to be a social game and curse of Osiris just makes me red in the face with how terrible that expansion was. It was <laughs> yeah. just, it was bad. It was, it, it was, uh, I mean, I mean, all of mercury was the size of, uh, that, that one big area, uh, mm-hmm. trust 
Trostlin in uh, in the EDZ. So it's like, you guys, uh, it, I think the biggest problem is uh, the developers think that they know better than the people who are buying the game what they should want. So instead of making changes that have been asked for since Destiny 1 came out, like, oh, can we have an emote wheel? Oh, can we have in-game matchmaking? Instead of, uh, you know, having to go to sites to look for a team, you know, ran by third-party entities. Um, you know, it, it, the, the developers are just basically like, here's what you're going to get. And that's where my confidence <laughs> in the changes to the game are are now. They had the huge Destiny Community Summit recently, and and even some of the saltiest community members that are just done with, you know, they've basically publicly said, you know, I'm done with Bungie's bullshit. I'm not going to take this anymore. Um, they came away from that and they were like, I know you're going to be surprised to hear this, but I am excited and I am, I, I think the future is bright if they can pull off some of the promises that they were giving us. So they're doing a lot more listening to the players. They did realize and kind of you know, go a little humble and go, you know what? You're right. This is, this is your game. As much as it is our game that, that we're making, we're making it for you. And we want to know what you want as players. Um, and so they're, they're really doing a good job at turning the ship around, but it's a, it's a big ship and you know, the Titanic doesn't turn on a dime. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, the thing, even that is positive. It is as it is, uh, all people are ending up excited for is uh, like, I hope destiny two is like rise of iron destiny by the time they stop supporting it. Mm. That's, <laughs> that's my big question is, okay. So we, we come around to, to September. We have the big, you know, whatever the taken queen, taken King two, what, you know, whatever the big September DLC is that comes out. We have destiny back on track uh, to to where a lot of people wanted it to be, and then how much longer is it supported? You know, do we get one year and then Destiny Three releases in in 2019, or do they support it for another two years and actually have a good, solid game for a, a good chunk of time before moving on to the next thing? Or is Destiny Two the the you know the platform that they kind of set themselves on? Uh, I bet uh, it, it's all going to end up being on uh, attachment, right? Because uh, uh, they'll probably set themselves up in the the last big expansion, you know, later this year, to where they could just chop it off. You know, the the story will end somewhere where if they wanted to stop supporting Destiny two, they could, and then they'll look at the numbers, and then we may get something, you know, uh, equivalent to Rise of Iron or something later on in twenty nineteen. But I wouldn't be surprised if 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 you know it if community sentiment doesn't turn around and more people aren't, you know, logging in and clocking hours over time, I wouldn't be surprised if after the third expansion, they just, uh, cut their losses and started work on a new product. Hmm. It's quite a strange thing. Destiny two was because realistically they just needed to make the improvements. I know this is really uh, boiling it down to the most, uh, simple method possible. But they just needed to make like a bigger destiny and just kind of pack it out. And they could have had a game that realistically went for like four to five years. Uh, and it seems like they just, again, 
did like the base amount of requirements at the start only to pack it out later but I really really don't understand that because they had a, a good foundation they just needed to improve it after Destiny and all of the DLC released so, but then again they stripped it all back only to make it bigger with expansions and I don't get it because it could have gone on for, for like a, a good few years but instead it's just experienced this massive decline just as a result of it being barren again at the start my my view of destiny 2 and how it came out and why it came out was that it was their opportunity because there are a lot of people who didn't like destiny yeah period and weren't gonna weren't gonna come on on board the destiny train no matter what Mm -hmm. um so by chopping off destiny and saying okay here's destiny 2 here's all the things that we did in destiny 2 to fix it for the people that didn't like destiny 1 and i think that was their big problem that destiny 2 as a product was created for the people that didn't like destiny 1 not to support the the fans that had been with the game for three years yeah and the thing is it did actually that that worked a bit because i didn't like destiny 1 and i did like destiny 2 but then there wasn't anything after the campaign that got me yeah, the and, first. And, oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay, uh, the the first destiny could have been improved. I, I don't know tenfold for uh, beginning players if they just got rid of that whole first section on Earth and just just cut that yeah. off. Like that's what turned me off of the game for a while was because that section is so boring. Uh, but yeah. once you get to the moon, it picks up. And, yeah, that you know, that moment of getting to the moon. And just seeing the the skyline behind you and just the stars and the earth in the background, that's like uh, that's one of the most memorable moments in games to me. Yeah. They should have just done one mission, you walk in, you know, to Earth, you you wake up, you get your, your ship, and then they're like, Oh god, we gotta go to the moon. Mm. I didn't really like any part of it. <laughs> the the original Destiny. Well I was like it was a huge disappointment for me because I like Halo Two is one of my favourite games ever. I'm a really big fan of Bungie and uh I was all behind Destiny and I love the beta. And I think actually yeah, Destiny is the only game that I've bought the uh, collector's edition for. Uh it had a nice little book where it had a lot of the artwork of the weapons and I was like, I am all in on this and then was massively disappointed by the actual game. So I was pleasantly surprised by Destiny 2, but again, <laughs> uh, not not a lot going on after. I completed it, and then I was like, oh, I'll try the end game for a bit, and then just thought, well, there's nothing really here for me after that. I was okay with it, but if you want a product that's going to last for however many years they want it to last for with the same level of attachment, uh, it's not the way to do it. Release a, another barren game two in a row and then tell everybody well it'll be fine just just come here in three years time when when everything will be here yeah and and uh, you know like i i think community sentiment is turning around now um the the reddit destiny reddit which was just a pure salt mine before is <laughs> getting a lot them. more positive and they're they're a lot more excited uh, cautiously excited for changes but they're excited and i think it is drawing people back uh slowly i think e3 will be a big big moment for activision whatever they have to show off at e3 uh i think they'll start teasing out the the september changes and expansion and stuff and that's going to be kind of a big deciding factor for them Mm. hopefully hopefully we actually interviewed the uh 
well I interviewed the um, Destiny 2 moderators of that subreddit uh, we got about the uh, about the community response to the game and they're not happy bunnies they are the least happy of bunnies <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's an interesting community to say the least but uh, yeah. I, I'm I had to leave because of all the salt because it just wasn't wasn't worth it to just be salty and hate things but I'm I'm slowly getting back into you know like I said being the most excited I've been for destiny content and information and stuff since before curse of osiris so that's that's a big deal for me that's a plus um but uh let's let's talk about breaking the law now and not Oof. not cliff blazinski <laughs> <laughs> Wait. I, I swear we have to have a cliffy b reference every episode <laughs> i'm gonna get like a, a cliffy b plushie <laughs> and then like, just to put on my desk for this podcast specific recordings he is definitely our mascot at this point we need to tag him in here though the last podcast did not feature favourable things from Cameron so we'll just silence that bit out and then and then tag him in it on Twitter alright so uh, EA, Valve, Nintendo and Sony and uh, actually to some extent once you dig into the report uh, uh, Microsoft uh, are reported for allegedly breaching European consumer law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Europe really goes to town on this. We we do not like these. Uh, what these guys are doing. Every single time you hear of somebody going after loot boxes or anything like that, it's from Europe. Yeah, yeah. The the one loot box thing, which we'll get into loot boxes in a second, but uh, uh, the one loot box thing from the U.S. is the guy from Hawaii who's like. Boxes oh, yeah, are bad on his little yeah. island as he's drinking his coconut tiki drinks. And <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of stereotypes in like thirty seconds there. <laughs> on his little island with his with his hula skirt. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's mandatory, like congressional apparel down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Go what on. what exactly are are these these guys doing? That are so there was breaching a, law. So there was a couple of them. So I've got it up here. Uh, in fact, no. I, uh, what? What are the actual specifics of what they were supposed to be doing? The NCC <laughs> NCC complaint noted that Steam Origin and the PlayStation Store were in breach for not obtaining express content from the consumer and his acknowledgement that he thereby loses his right of withdrawal. It's about um, refunds, I guess. A survey carried out in December last year found that Nintendo failed to offer consumers the option to cancel software pre-ordered on the, on the eShop. Steam Origin and the PlayStation Store, meanwhile, reported for not adhering to the right of withdrawal yet failed to m- meet the criteria to be exempt. So it's essentially uh, digital goods not being refunded, or if there are pre-orders, then these companies not abided by it. So uh, the director of digital service at the NCC, Finn Lutzow Holm Meerstad, which I feel like I said that very well considering this name. No, that was uh, impressive. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, he added that digital games do not exist in a lawless vacuum, and that big game providers are some of the largest entertainment companies in the world still have to observe laws and rules and honor consumer rights just like everyone else. And this ties into what I said last last episode, which I can't believe people in Europe are buying games digitally. 
They cost so much to download games <laughs> digitally. Aside from Steam and Origin, which is fine, that's more or less the same price, to download from the PlayStation Store and the Nintendo eShop, it's horrific. Just that stop download just buy physical it's fine you don't need to be digital here it's all good stop it <laughs> so so my question on that a little bit of a tangent here but if if somebody in europe were to get a north american psn account and then mm-hmm. load that up with funds could they buy at the north american i mean feasibly they could buy at the north north american prices Okay, so I don't. I've heard people doing that, and I'm not entirely sure how to do it. I've got a North American account for uh, review code on pretty much everything. Well, I saw, no, I say pretty much everything. Uh, the Switch and the Xbox One uh, are region unlocked because they're good boys. But um, the PlayStation Store, I've got a North American account to uh, to get stuff um, on review code and stuff when it's US locked. Um, I, I think people can. Uh, I, but I don't know how exactly. Um, I'm sure there's there's a way that that it can. It would only be on the PlayStation Store though, because that's the only uh one that you can have a uh US account on. But mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, maybe people are. Oh no, uh, you know, actually, you can't. What you've got to do is uh, you have to buy um. Uh, what do you call it? Like a gift card or something? Uh, what would you? A, a voucher? Uh, you know, oh, yeah, to one redeem of the points. PSN yeah. store cards or whatever. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so you'd have to buy one of those and then you get it shipped over. That's how you do it. Yeah. So, but I mean, I don't know how much cheaper that would be uh, to just do it that way. And also, that's a lot of faffing around. Yeah, that's a. It's against the terms of service too. Like you can get away. Oh, is with it? it? But they can ban your account. I mean, uh, technically, it's against the terms of service for us to have a secondary account for even for review codes because yeah. we don't actually reside in the. Uh, oh, place, is it? But oh, then I don't have that. Yeah. Nope, <laughs> nope. I mean, hypothetically, that's an idea that we might consider if yeah, we're that... doing reviews, but we don't because. Uh... Yeah, that's fine. No, that doesn't happen. Right? Okay, sure. Yeah, good. Carry on. No, no. Who came in and said that they had that? Get out! <laughs> Get out of there! People just barging into your house. Is that, that that's Europe over there? They're just somebody with a bloody pickaxe is behind you. Like, where are they? I'm the Tomb Raider, and then they disappear again. I, I haven't heard of Sony like cracking down on that, but I know Valve in particular was just hammering people because they would uh, get Russian accounts. And you know the oh, really? the uh, the exchange rate is so poor between you know pounds and ruples or dollars and ruples that you can mm-hmm. get games for you know brand new games for next to nothing. So uh, I know they IP banned a bunch of people a couple years back uh, mm. for doing that and reselling keys from Russia to you know the West and it was a big to do. Yeah. I just, I just surprised that people are actually just purchasing digitally from from Europe to anywhere else. Maybe in a, where was this? Maybe in Norway, it's cheaper, but it just uh, seems a bit ridiculous to me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just a lot of a lot of lawsuits from from Europe all the time. <laughs> just well, and in addition to that, we've got the uh, the Belgian Gaming Commission now declaring loot boxes are illegal and basically saying that 
Overwatch, uh, FIFA, and what is it? CSGO. CSGO. Have to take out the loot boxes or face the legal repercussions, which are like massive fines and jail time. You know I can't who? See how, carry on. Oh, I was going to say, you know, uh, you know who's going to get screwed from that is the customer. Uh, it, that's the only person that, yeah. Because I, they're just going to sell the same game for the same price but you just can't get any cosmetic items or loot boxes. Mm. I I see these companies actually fighting back against this and going... So I wrote up a huge article. It's not live on the site yet, but by the time the podcast publishes, it might be. I wrote up a huge thing about how this is a, just a messy and slippery slope because I, I read through the laws. I researched for a day and a half, like trying to figure out how this actually made sense and nothing is clearly defined so it's basically these this commission that goes in and tests and they're looking for four different things they're looking for if it has a gaming element which obviously their games they do mm. um it has to have a a game of chance so there's there's a form of randomization in it which loot boxes, boxes yes yeah. there are uh the the two that are a little bit iffy for me is it has to feature a bet that is being made and then a profit or loss based on that bet. And to me, mm. uh, in most loot boxes, now in some games, there is monetary value for those items outside of the game. You can resell. Yeah, lots like of CSGO cetera, skins cetera. and stuff. So CSGO makes sense for me. But to include Overwatch within that, to me, Overwatch's loot boxes are not a gamble. They are a product purchase. Mm. Because you know what you're getting into. Yeah. There is no monetary profit or loss out of them. The only profit or loss that you're actually getting out of loot boxes is an emotional profit or loss. Yeah. And, and the value of any given item in an Overwatch loot box is purely There's no set. There's really no Yeah, it, it's purely set by the player's uh, uh, emotional attachment and and. Yeah, it's arbitrary. Yeah, arbitrary value. If if I happen to like a rare skin more than a legendary skin then that rare skin now has a greater value to me as a player yeah. than the legendary skin does. In addition to if my mom places no value on any of them because she doesn't play Overwatch or care about Overwatch, yeah. so that's inherently a loss to her if she puts money into it. But with like a slot machine or something, you put money into it objectively, you can either lose that money or you can get more of that money back. Yeah, and as far as the um, the only element of that would be the uh, sites operating externally from the game, like the CS:GO skin resales and the slot machines. But they're not they're funded separately, aren't they? They're nothing to do with Valve or anything. Uh, the same goes for FIFA 18. EA aren't getting involved with the uh, websites that allow you to buy ultimate team packs and stuff. Well, coin trading or whatever it is that they do. Yeah, yeah, and, and for those like that, that gets into some some PC stuff that uh, allows for for resale. And I know like PUBG does uh, allows the same sort of thing. There's cosmetic resale uh, stuff that's highly valuable outside of the game, and, yeah. and that's a whole nother thing. Like they can they can regulate that all they want, and yeah. and have at it. But when you're talking about strictly in a game. Uh, you know, Destiny 2's Bright Engrams or uh, or Overwatch's loot boxes or even 
like Battlefront 2's loot boxes, there's yeah. no inherent value outside of the game. So to me, it, there's an element of random chance, yes, and there is a problem with uh, capitalizing on people's addictive behaviors, but it's a different issue than strictly gambling for a profit or loss. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> they're not going to, they're not going to be taken out. They are going to fight it. I just feel like all of these um, different stories that pop up about, uh, about countries acting, uh, acting out on loot boxes and microtransactions and stuff. It's just a matter of, impeding uh these like developers and publishers but nothing's actually going to happen i don't think no. um because it's a very very legal gray area as you've said i don't think that they're never gonna they're ever gonna get taken out i think the community will um decide what kind of loot boxes and microtransactions should stay and should go like they did with battlefront 2 but i don't think it's ever going to be a legal issue yeah i think uh, i'm with you i think it's uh you know, the vocal minority can uh, be against loot boxes all they want. But uh, for the most part, people are either ignoring them or buying them. You know, uh, yeah. 90% of a game's audience isn't going on Reddit to complain about loot boxes in the game. You know, uh, yeah. I think that's one thing the industry in general loses sight of is, uh, you know, mo- most the grand majority of people aren't, aren't voicing their opinions about games and probably don't have a, too big of an opinion about it any game they're no. just playing it uh and you know moving on yeah battlefront 2 was very much an anomaly i think uh it obviously caught a lot of people's attention I, I should imagine a lot of that was to do with it having the star wars license so it was easy to kind of tell people uh like for for major media outlets to report on it because of its relationship with Disney and Star Wars and stuff. Yeah. And obviously that was a very, very bad example of microtransactions, but... Episode 8 was was on its way out. And yeah, it was, it was a terrible example because it was pay to win. And that one was like really bad loot boxes and microtransactions. And suddenly that's become the gaming... For people that don't understand gaming, for these legal, uh, you know... Uh, people at different uh in different countries and stuff that are setting up all these different laws and and trying to enact yeah. these that's become the baseline for them is like oh well they're bad because of this and it's like are you actually talking to anybody that actually knows anything about games in the industry are you actually going to blizzard and asking them about their loot boxes and being like okay give me give me the rundown sell me on on these loot boxes uh, what could you be doing better with them? What's bad about them? And actually having that conversation instead of just going, no, we found Overwatch loot boxes to be illegal because we read a couple of Reddit posts about how people don't like that they didn't get their legendary skin they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it, I find it's really funny too how we get this whole thing of that it's for the children and it's for the people with addictive personalities and that, that, uh, you know, it's in an interest of helping them out. And yet who it's really serving to, to do all these things is the people that are complaining because they didn't get the legendary skin that they wanted during, uh, an overwatch event. Yeah. Which, uh, is pretty much me <laughs> every time an overwatch event comes up. I'm currently just, 
because I don't buy loot boxes I just wait to unlock them naturally because I enjoy that better like make it feel like you're playing an old school Street Fighter or something where the characters unlock I just really really want this Lucio skin and it just won't come it will never come up <laughs> I've opened so many loot boxes and it's never there it's your last day for that by the time people oh, hear it this, is, isn't it? Oh, I've, I've, yeah. There's no. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then I have to, and then I have to wait to see whether it's going to pop up again. That's the other, if it doesn't pop up, then it just stays there as a silhouette, just haunting me mm-hmm. for the rest of the time in my in my hero gallery. And you just hope that something cooler comes along that uh, will take your mind off of it. Uh, nothing's going to be cooler than Lucio's uh, little <laughs> what, rhythm rhythm pants that he's got going on. <laughs> Uh, all right, <laughs> and uh, finally, after uh, to, to, to end things off here, secret unlock is um, uh, another secret unlock in a game. God of War actually added in a secret pommel for the axe for uh, rich people. <laughs> yeah, some some classism yes. on <laughs> Sony Santa Monica's behalf. <laughs> So, is this going to spoil the game for me? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, okay. I saw this pop up in the, in the document of our podcast of the uh, little news stories, and I was like, they're going to talk about this and ruin God of War for me, aren't they? No, it's it it doesn't ruin the game. The uh, the collector's edition, the stonemason edition of the game, had a cloth yeah. map that came with it that had a bunch of Norse runes on it, and people translated the Norse runes, and it eventually led to. Uh, through a whole bunch of working with the community and trying to figure out what was going on, if you stand in a certain place at the, I believe it's the Niflheim Tower, and you, like, turn in certain directions, a void uh, or a little portal opens up into an abyss, and Kratos reaches his hand in there and pulls out this this secret pommel that increases all your stats by plus one, I think, or plus two, something like that. God, um, I, I bet I thought that was going to take months for people to figure out, and it's less than a week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you you can't underestimate gaming communities and the power of of the the gaming hive mind and kind of putting nah. everybody's thoughts together. It's the same thing with with Destiny secrets and stuff. But I I really appreciate that they put stuff like this in the game, like they're. There is zero way in the game, as far as we know, to know that you could have gotten that. No. Sucks that it's limited to collector's edition, though. Well, so you can get it in your own game if you know how. Uh, it's not just the collector's edition of the game. That's yeah. just where the Oh, that was, was where the secrets were. Is was on the physical map of the game, uh, the cloth map that came with it. But now that it's out in the open, if you go to a guide for how to go get this secret pommel, you can you can go get it yourself. Right. Okay. Well, it's stuff like that's cool because then it makes you think. Well, what else have they hidden away in here? Yeah, and it it, it uh, calls back to the old old days of gaming again, where there were little hidden secrets. Like I remember playing the original Smash Brothers and. Uh, unlocking new characters and that whole you know a new challenger appears thing yeah. coming up with the silhouette and you're like oh my gosh another <laughs> yeah. character and, and then now... like in melee it was like you hang off a ledge for 15 hours and then Mewtwo pops up or something yeah yeah. Like... <laughs> I remember like just leaving my GameCube on the side because one of them was like you've got to be playing for 10 hours 
or something, 15 hours straight, something ridiculous. It's something that Nintendo wouldn't do now because you'd get a little thing up on your screen saying, remember not to play games for too long on the Switch <laughs> now. Yeah, take a break between <laughs> between play sessions. But I remember just leaving the GameCube <clears throat> just then and then going to like school or whatever and uh, and then coming back and then like I'd, I'd have Oik or something. Yeah, it, it's... It, I love that. I love that idea of these these hidden things and and also a little bit of uh, being able to go outside of the game that is one thing that i actually really liked about the original destiny was that my game was outside of the game it was a lot of times you know i was playing the game but then i was also outside of the game trying to help the community figure out secrets and and unlock yeah. interesting things and and coordinating with people outside of the game. I actually really enjoyed that aspect of it because it allowed me to work the game into my life yeah. even while I wasn't actually playing the game. Yeah. It's for me, it's like one of the things... I don't understand why it isn't like this anymore, but one of the things that, um, that I'm upset by in terms of... <clears throat> how online games are now with the patches and obviously people finding exploits quite quickly. I remember like in the days of like Halo 2 on Xbox Live and um, you'd hear a word of like if you crouched and then walked into a corner and hit it like 16 times or something, you'd fly off the edge of the map and then just dedicating like a week of evenings to seeing whether that was true and then finding all the second hand information about it and then being like no no you get like this you get sent through like a dodgy youtube video that took ages <laughs> to load up on your shitty old internet and then you'll be like oh you can actually shoot off the map and then just getting a big party together and going and wall crouching and trying to shoot off the edge of the map <laughs> and now if you found that out it would be like 14 different news posts saying about how people have exploited it and how multiplayer's broken and then bungie coming back with a towel between the legs telling you that they've released a patch because uh because the game's gone to shit you just don't get it anymore yeah. <laughs> you don't get that stuff yeah it's a it's an interesting change but i'm i'm glad sony santa monica seems really uh really traditional at the same time as kind of moving the industry forward so it's it's nice that they've uh included clever secrets like that mm-hmm so we worked God of War in again. All right, Cliffy B yeah. in. I think uh, that, that's it. That's Cliffy B, the God of War. That's <laughs> there we go. That's the title. Um, yeah, I think I think that's just about it. We've we've covered everything this week. Did we get any questions? Uh, we did. Um, I didn't do the. I was supposed to do the community Q and A uh, last week, but obviously we changed the day of recording, so I couldn't fit it in. Uh, I'll be doing that tomorrow so we'll hopefully get some more uh, we did get a question but it was about somebody leaving Hearthstone or Hearthstone I don't know how you say it uh, I'll get it up now does anybody actually play Hearthstone though? no a little bit I dabble uh, do you know that, that, that a man left is that news a that you put to a man a man left has left Hearthstone, Hearthstone. <laughs> did you know him <laughs> Oh, my good friend, a man. He left <laughs> Hearthstone. Uh, ben Brode. That's it. Leaving Blizzard. Um, I think I think he was. I want to say he was one of their audio guys, and he actually did a lot of audio work on maybe even Overwatch. 
Right, okay, then you can answer this then. This is from Stalin. So what do you think of uh, Stalin, not like <laughs> Stalin, like the leader? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is from Stalin, who, uh, who is a frequent Game Revolution commenter. Uh, what do you think of Ben Brode leaving Blizzard, more uh, specifically Hearthstone? Will Hearthstone get a new front slash man woman to fill the gaping void? Who would that be? Dave Kozak or no one. We know that some Blizzard titles like Diablo or uh, Heroes of the Storm don't have a frontman. Same fate could away Hearthstone. Oh, so I guess this was Hearthstone's frontman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So obviously you, you you also agree that he left a gaping void by the fact that you don't know who this is. Yes, yes. <laughs> Such a massive void. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I... I, I with something like Overwatch, I can see if uh, Jeff Kaplan left or something that there would, you know, that would create. I would know about that, but yeah, well, he's uh, everywhere, right now. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know who this is, and I don't know that we do mobile game stuff enough to really know. No, uh, we had one more about children, but I don't think any of us have kids other than Cameron, who left. No, nope. <laughs> no children. Uh, you could do it about your cats, Cameron. <laughs> do you have kids, and do you consider them your greatest regret or second greatest? Oh, oh, right. Um, no, my cats are... My cats take precedence, even over gaming, over anything. They lay in my lap. That, that's it. Like, if they're on my arm and I can't hold a controller, well, I get to deal with that and either hold a controller really awkwardly or just not game until... They're off my arm. And there you go. Cameron will be really displeased that he didn't get to answer that after a lot. <laughs> we'll wait until next week. We'll ask him this week. We won't tell him that Chandler uh, answered it about his cats instead. <laughs> I always answer questions about kids with my cats. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're basically basically my kids. Yeah, just incredibly small and hairy. Yeah, children. yeah, and self-sufficient. I mean, with a kid, you can't put their food Unlocked on the children. floor and just let them no. go at it. No. Oh, you, can. you can't just. You, you shouldn't. Can you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Never say can't. Yeah, get a cat flap and just be like, go to next doors and go and get some dinner. We haven't got any. We haven't got any kid food in for you today. Your kid's uh, living at another house part time. Yeah, comes back, smells different. You just like, oh yeah, where have you been? <laughs> puts dead birds on my porch (laughs) 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 all right well on that note i think that's going to end episode four of the cliff Mm -hmm. beat i mean cross play podcast (laughs) (laughs) thank you all for listening uh please send us questions that aren't about children so that we can actually answer them and uh we'll see you no we won't see you because this is the internet but we'll talk to you all next week Later. Bye-bye.